Hello again. In this podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about the kind of things I take with me when I go away. So if you are thinking of going off to photograph wildlife or, or some sort of other trip, just to give you some ideas, this is the kind of thing I take with me. And you may have um, seen my webinar recently, um, uh, well, at least as I record this, where I talk about this kind of thing too. So I'm going to start with the camera. Now, obviously, what you take in terms of camera body and lenses, um, all of that depends on what you have. But I do recommend that you um, have sufficient lenses to cover what you need. So typically for wildlife, you're looking at a telephoto of some sort, at least up to 400 mil. And um, if you want to do specialized photography, things like birds, those kind of animals, 600 mils is better. But then you're generally talking much heavier lenses. You will more than likely need a tripod. So you need to make a call on what it is you're shooting the kind of photographs you want to get, a lot of close-ups or you do want to do a lot of wides and obviously what your budget is for either new gear or what you have available. And also consider second-hand gear. Uh, what I do if I look at second-hand lenses, I'll take my uh, body, the main body I use with me. I prefer to go look at them in person, connect everything up and just do some test shots that I can then zoom in at least in the back of the camera, to make sure that everything looks um, fine. So ideally, you'd be shooting against a grid or something where you can very easily see distortions or any, any other problems caused by the lens. But I definitely recommend that. Having said all of that, you can get some good equipment secondhand. And if you've got a warranty, if you buy from a photography store or somewhere that offers a warranty, that's definitely worth investigating because you can save a lot of money going down that that particular route. So what do I take me, with me? Well, I've got um, a 100-400mm um, Canon EF lens. It's one of the older 100-400s. I've had it over 20 years now, but that's absolutely my go-to lens. And I do periodically get it serviced, uh, generally after a trip or if I haven't used it for a while, I'll take some shots and make sure I'm happy with it. But I do get both my camera bodies and my uh, key lenses serviced from time to time, uh, usually once every year or so, depending on how often I've used them. But if I've been using them a lot, then it might be more frequent than that. So you have to make a, a call on that. So my recommendation is a decent telephoto. Up to 400 is good because you can hand hold a 400 mil or a zoom that takes you up to 400, generally okay. Going beyond that, it's harder to hand hold the lens and camera combination and then that gives you all sorts of problems when it comes to trying to shoot without any kind of blurring happening because of lens wobble so uh, that's my recommendation on the long side on the short side so if you want to do a lot of landscapes that sort of thing again you might have your favorite lenses uh, mine I've got a 28 to 135 again it's an old lens that I had for a while and it does get serviced every now and again but that one is nice because it gives me a decent wide angle um, kind of range and also a nice kind of telephoto that overlaps with my main telephoto. Another nice thing about that lens is it does have a macro capability. So I don't shoot a lot of macro, but every now and again, it's nice to have that option if something uh, presents itself. So they're the two main lenses that I, I use. I've got other lenses, but they're generally my go-to lenses. And uh, if I've got the room and um, I can take them, I'll take other lenses, but they're my main lenses for wildlife photography. In terms of bodies, you may only have the one body, but if you've got two, that's good because you've got a backup. I use a Canon 
um, EOS 5DS. That's my primary uh, body because it's a full frame, uh, very high resolution images. And because I am shooting so that I can produce large prints of my work, I like to get the initial file as big as possible. My backup camera is a Canon EOS 7D Mark II. Now that's um, not a full frame, um, so that's cropped frame. The advantage of that particular body is that the burst rate and burst period are both longer than on the 5DS. The 5DS being full frame, and I set my camera up to take the biggest possible image. You'll find, if you're not aware, on most cameras you can set the image or the file size that you you want to save. So it depends on how you want to use the final image. So if you're only shooting for social media, you can get away with a small file size, which obviously means you can get more images on your SD card. Um, Your burst speed, burst duration may be faster, depending on the camera. So it's something to think about. If I'm photographing something like dolphins, I'll tend to use the um, 7D because it's uh, much, much faster. The nice thing about using those two bodies is that the buttons and the arrangement of everything is pretty much the same. So I can pick one or other up and it's exactly the same to use, the, the way it's all set up. So as I say, it depends on what bodies you've got available. You, you might want to consider buying a second body if you don't have one. Uh, again, my recommendation would be to get something that is either the same as what you're already using or very similar a couple of reasons for that. One I've already mentioned in that switching between bodies, you don't have to think about what you're doing. Uh, secondly, all of your lenses and anything else that you've got for your existing body will should fit the new body. So you've got um, a direct one-for-one replacement there. So that's the really the camera and lens part of it. So they're the most important parts. Thinking about batteries, um, again, I, I've use the battery extensions on the body I bodies that I have. So that means I have two normal Canon uh, batteries in there. That does give me some redundancy. It gives me longer duration if I'm shooting a lot of images or shooting movie. Um, if you're somewhere where you can't get the batteries recharged, uh, I tried a solar-powered charger a few years ago uh, in Namibia, and that really didn't work out terribly well. I do have a laptop with me and I've got a USB charger for my Canon batteries. So as a last resort, I can use the um, the laptop as a, a source of charge to recharge my batteries. Um, if I'm going to get stuck though, so climbing Kilimanjaro is one situation that springs to mind. I kept um, a couple of spare batteries with me. I only took one body with me because I was having to keep the weight down of what I was carrying. And I always kept one of the batteries within my clothing. So it was close to my body. So it was getting body heat. So if you're going somewhere where it's very cold, you might want to think about putting a spare battery somewhere where it can benefit from your body heat. Because obviously, I say obviously, maybe you don't know, but batteries operate better when they're warm rather than when they're cold and um, they're likely to retain their charge for longer and all this kind of stuff. So again, it's something to consider and look into. Thinking about what is in the camera body, another thing to think about are the memory cards. So definitely have said this before, but when I buy a body, I always get the biggest memory card it will support. I generally don't need to use a spare card. So the both of the bodies I have will actually take two cards. 
they take an SD card and they take a flash drive. And depending on how I'm using it, I might either write the file to both cards. That's one of the options in the Canon or just write to one card, which is, you know, normally if you've only got the one card anyway. Uh, there are some advantages and disadvantages to that. The advantage is you've got a double, you know, you've got two versions of the image. So if something goes wrong, you've got a backup image straight away. However, that is likely to increase the write time to the card. So that in turn limits your burst duration when you're um, trying to do a burst shot, which can be a problem. Um, and you'll, you'll need to have a look and maybe check it out with your own camera. But there are pros and cons of both. Generally, what I do once I finish the shoot, and, and normally this will be every day, isn't always because if I'm away camping somewhere, then it might be a few days. But what I'll do is as soon as I'm somewhere where I can sit down and use my laptop, and I've got a Surface Pro that I use, so um, it's it's relatively small, relatively light, and um, the, the one I've got has got a fair bit of memory in it, so I can use Photoshop and things like that um, on the fly. I back up everything, first of all, to the PC. And if I can leave the files there, I will. But sometimes I'm shooting quite, in fact, usually I'm shooting quite a lot of files. So uh, I you know, obviously need the, the memory in the uh, the computer for other things. So what I carry with me are a couple of um, SSD drives, that solid state drives. And the, the couple that I use are from Samsung. They're um, one terabyte drives. So the pretty big and the reason I use them they're a bit more expensive than some of the portable hard drives you can get but the reason is that first of all they're very small and they're very light so I can easily just put them in a carry-on bag or or just keep them safe so very easy to um, use them in a situation where I'm moving around a bit Um, secondly being solid state there's nothing to go wrong really so I've been very pleased with them and I've used them a lot so when I'm away they tend to be the backup drives. And again, I might, if I can keep things on the laptop as well, I will, but often I don't have the room. And when the cards in the cameras get full, I'll just wipe them because everything's backed up on the um, on the hard drives, on the solid state drives. So I use the cards in the camera purely for acquisition. I know I've seen some people use them for permanent storage as well. Um, I was with somebody who was doing this for underwater work the problem is, if you start a dive and there's not that much room on the SD card, and this happened to somebody, I was talking to him about it, he had to abort the dive because obviously underwater you can't change cards. But that was the, the way that particular um, operation was working. So I, I personally disagree with that. I, if it was me, <laughs> I would copy everything off the SD drive at the end of each day or each dive if possible. Wipe the drive so that when you start a dive, you've got a clean, fresh um, card within the camera. So that would be my suggestion to you to just use that as a discipline. Okay, so that is really the the main things on the camera body itself. Now, the kind of things you might want to take with you. One thing I found very useful is a splash cover. So this is one of those, mine's from Aquatech. It's designed to fit over my long lens and the body and just keep every keep water off everything. Now, I've used it on a boat a few times, but where I found it really useful is actually in very dusty environments because I had a situation a few years ago now where I was in Tanzania and fortunately it was only on the very final day of the trip, but I kept getting um, a warning 
message up to say that the camera body couldn't connect to the uh, lens. So there was a communications error. And what it was, it was dust, because you get this very, very fine dust, and it will just get absolutely everywhere. And it had got into the um, electrical connectors between the camera body and the lens. So all I could do was to, within the four-wheel drive I was in, trying to keep any other dust from getting in, quickly clean the contacts, reconnect everything, and then I'd get a few more shots, and then I'd get the same error. So by using this splash cover, it's been an absolute godsend for that kind of environment. So do have a think about that. And um, obviously, when you are changing lenses, try, you know, minimize when you do that, if you're if you're in that kind of environment. This is where ha- having a second body can come in really handy, because you can have a long telephoto on one body and maybe a wide angle on the other. And um, that's typically what I do. And I've got a smaller bag that I use for um, four wheel drive. <laughs> and it has a zip at the top. So I can just have it by my feet, have everything closed up, unzip the this uh, zip this across the top of the bag pull out the wide out the body with the wide angle um, lens on it take a few shots and then pop it back in and seal it up again all the time trying to keep everything covered so do have a think about the kind of environment you're going to and think about the kind of issues that you might have to deal with that perhaps you wouldn't normally deal with when you're out taking photographs okay the next thing I'm going to talk about is tripods. So I don't often have a tripod with me. I don't use them a lot, but they're definitely handy. And I use um, a small Manfrotto. It's uh, They're sort of very portable series. It only weighs a kilo. It folds up very small. Obviously, it's not that sturdy. If you're looking for a solid, sturdy tripod, it's probably not the best one to use. Um, and, and again, obviously, with tripods, the way to keep them sturdy is to only use the, um, the the segments at the very bottom uh, when you have to. So pull that one out last. Use the thicker segments first because that gives you a sturdier um, setup on the tripod. However, that tripod is very good. It's got, it's got a bull head on it and um, that, that has been useful on occasion. And obviously, if you've got a tripod, particularly one like that, that isn't that rock solid, uh, I, I would always take a cable release so that I'm not... Um, you know, in danger of uh, just knocking the the camera or putting any kind of shake in there. Um, Chances are you've got the tripod because you're doing a long exposure. So the more hands off you are from the camera, the better. Now, the thing that I always recommend to people is get yourself a decent backpack. And by that, I mean something that will carry what you need to carry with you. And that's not just your camera gear, but it might be some water, uh, it might be um, a rain jacket. Um, it might be just some snacks, depending on what you're doing. But get something that has hip straps. Shoulder straps are okay for short distances, but if you the kind of photography I do, I quite often end up hiking, sometimes for several hours at a time, maybe seven or eight hours. And shoulder straps with any kind of weight just dig into your shoulders, and they get very uncomfortable after a while. If you've got hip stra- hip straps. It puts the weight of whatever's in the bag on your hips, not on your shoulders and your back. And it's far more comfortable. And if you have any kind of back problems as well, that's a much better way to go. Uh, Obviously, I'm not giving medical advice here. So if you do have any problems like that, please talk to your doctor, your, you know, whoever's looking after you. But that's my recommendation. Now, I'm going to talk about clothing because after all of the camera gear, the clothing is quite important too. So 
first of all, I suppose starting from the bottom, have some decent walking boots. If you're going to be doing any kind of trekking, make sure you've got good quality walking boots. And if they're new boots, I really recommend breaking them in before you go away. So just do hikes for um, ideally a few weeks, maybe even a couple of months before you go. Uh, Make sure you're doing a few hours of walking so that you really get the boots nice and worn in and you're comfortable with them. And then when you're away, you're not going to have to deal with um, problems with your feet because the boots aren't an ideal fit and all of this kind of stuff. And um, if you're getting walking boots like that as well, go to somewhere that specialises in that kind of thing. Uh, My current boots I, I bought before I went to Kilimanjaro and I went to a specialist's place in Sydney and they even had a little kind of wooden slope thing for me to walk up and down just so I could try the boots out in that sort of environment. So do take good care of your feet. Um, it's, it's very hard to walk on them if you if you don't. And um, obviously you want to have be able to get where you're going without any, any basic problems like that. So good walking boots, good socks for walking and... Um, for clothing, generally, I'm, I recommend Icebreaker because I bought a lot of their stuff. You may or may not be able to get hold of their gear. It is a bit more expensive, but it's I find it really comfortable, very warm when I need warm clothing. And also it's very washable, so it dries. Their, their clothing dries out very quickly, which is particularly handy if you want to keep how much you're carrying with you down to an absolute minimum. And you might not have much opportunity, you know, it might be an overnight in a hotel. It's great to be able to just rinse shirts and underwear and all this kind of stuff and then let it hang and for it to be dry in the morning, even if it's not particularly um, uh, warm where you are. So that's my tip on the uh, on where to get the clothing. Um, other things, so generally dull colours, particularly if, you look at, if you're photographing wildlife. So um, greens, beiges, those sort of natural colours. Don't wear any bright colours on you at all. So even small things, try and um, not have any bright colours on you at all. I like to have long sleeve, uh, long sleeve shirts and full length um, lightweight trousers, lightweight shirt and trousers. Uh, the re- reasons, again, are to keep the sun off me if it's very sunny because I have quite sensitive skin, so I have to be careful of that. Also, it minimises kind of insect bites and things like that you're likely to get. You don't know what you're going to be brushing against if you're walking through any kind of environments. I was in Uganda in um, September 2022, and that was walking through forest in the mountains to get to the gorillas. And one of the things they, they made us made sure we did was to tuck our trousers into our socks to make sure nothing could get in there because they do have issues with um, uh, you know little critters getting in, so you don't want any of that. Um, gaiters is another thing to think about if you um, just want to make sure nothing gets in your boots. So um, again, have a think about where you're going and what you might need. I do recommend um, a hat. Uh, the best one for me, certainly in sunny conditions, is one of these with a sort of floppy rim because you can stick them in a bag very easily and you don't have to worry about them getting damaged. But they create give shade on the back of your neck and also your ears. So they're definitely... Um, Uh, a recommendation the other thing i recommend particularly if you're going somewhere cold is one of these now i'm not sure what they're supposed to be called but it's like a boob tube for your neck (laughs) if you know what i mean it's just a tube so you can wear it around your neck and that creates a seal between the clothes around your body and your neck and i find that's great for just killing that draft that sometimes gets in around the top of your clothing around your neck and also if it's really cold you can pull it right up over your head so it's only your face showing 
And um, that's just a great way of staying warm. I did, I did that in India uh, when I was in uh, Kana photographing tigers because we were up pretty early in the morning and it was very cold first thing in the morning. And um, that was just a way of staying warm um, in the car. It was a little open car as well. So you can imagine when we were actually driving, you had quite a bit of wind chill on you. We all would take blankets with us as well. But um, just having that thing um, around my head and a hat on top of it just helped keep me warm. So again, have a think about um, what you're taking with you. Now, I would say um, rain cover is is good. I've got a Gore-Tex raincoat and I think that's really important to get something that's very good quality. This one definitely was not cheap, but Gore-Tex allows you to breathe. So it does let the moisture out, which is really important, um, particularly if you're in a colder environment, because the problem when you start to sweat in those environments is that the sweat freezes and then you've got a real problem. So having a breathable material, and Gore-Tex is probably the best for that, is, is definitely um, a recommendation. So the next thing I'm going to talk about is I'll go to the medical stuff. So obviously you need to check out what medication is needed for wherever you're going. If you're going to Central Africa, again, you'll need to check with uh, websites and um, your own country should have a website. There's certainly very good ones in Australia, in the UK and in the US on what medication to take. And also talk to your, your doctor, your physician about what they recommend. They may not know, so it's good to do a bit of homework first. Uh, certainly Central Africa, you will need a yellow fever certificate. They won't even let you in the country without one. So it is really important to make sure you've got the right documentation. As for other things, well, you know, that's between you and your physician. What I would say, if you're going away for an extended period, somewhere where there's malaria, you do need to think about, and again, this is the personal choice. I'm not offering advice here, but do think about whether or not you want to take malaria medication. The reason I say this is that, first of all, it's, it is quite expensive. But the main reason is that there are side effects with it. And when I was in southern Africa for after about three months, and I was kind of on and off the, the meds. Um, I'm not brilliant at taking meds, but where I knew there was a malaria issue, I would take them. I started to get side effects. I started to get stomach issues um, with taking um, the uh, malarial meds. So it's much better to look at prevention, hence long sleeves, um, you know, full length um, trousers when you're out. Um, I use sunscreen 50 plus with DEET in it. So that's um, a way of just keeping particularly mosquitoes away. Uh, so have a have a look at that and see what your options are. And then the final thing is... Um, just any other documentation. So I've already mentioned uh, the yellow fever certificate, um, but then there's the obvious things, you know, check whether or not you need a visa. Uh, Most countries allow you to apply online these days, so it's pretty easy. And um, just do allow enough time to get all of that um, organized before you go. Uh, One thing to be aware of, if you are applying for a visa or even uh, if you're going to a wildlife park and they want documentation to let you into the park, and you use your passport, you do need to make sure that when you do turn up at the park to go in, it is the same document. So if your passport is about to expire, or you'll need to replace it before you go, get the replacement first and use that for the visa uh, 
park entry, all of those kind of things, because they'll expect to see the same document. If it's a different one, even if it's completely valid, uh, there's a good chance they won't let you in. And obviously, you don't want to take that risk because you, you, you know, you don't want to go all that way and then just have a bit of documentation um, let you down. So that was it, really. I just thought I'd share some ideas. These these come from experience. Uh, I definitely made mistakes, <laughs> so hopefully I can help you to uh, not make the same mistakes. And um, that's really it for this podcast. So I hope you found that useful and I'll speak to you again very soon. Bye for now. Just before I go, I want to let you know that there's a couple of ways you can support me if you feel so inclined. Uh, with the podcast, Buzzsprout, which is the um, the platform I use for all of my podcasts, they have a subscription model. So if you feel that you would like to subscribe, a few dollars, a few euros, whatever, um, to the podcast, that would be much appreciated. The other option is my Patreon membership. So if you'd like to become a patron, and that starts at the price of a cup of coffee every month, you'll get access to exclusive material, behind-the-scenes material, photography tips, all this kind of stuff, depending on which tier you're at. So there is information available through my website and um, also on the, uh, uh, the written text to go with this podcast. So if you choose either one, thank you so much in advance. And whether or not you do, I hope you uh, continue to enjoy the podcast and let other people know about them. Thank you very much. Bye for now. 